Stand for the reading of God's word this morning. We're so honored to see you this Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Encourage you to come and be with us on Wednesday nights. We uh, will do our fourth session on uh, God's grace and the end of the world. Just having a great time, great turnout uh, each Wednesday night. Begins at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary. What we've been doing the past few weeks here, uh, we've been doing a series called Moving by Grace and the Gifts of the Spirit. And uh, we've been looking at the nine gifts of the Spirit, specifically spoken of by Paul to the Corinthian church uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Today I want us to go to 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is where Paul lists all those gifts. But here in verse 1, and he's been talking about the gifts in chapter 12. He said that they operate, faith works by love. And he talked about love in chapter 13. And now in 14 he gives some specific instructions. And uh, he says, pursue love, because that's how the gifts operate, and we've talked about that in this series, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may what? Prophesy. So that's what we're going to focus on today and talk about, because he says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. We talked about the gift of tongues and some of those things last week. If you missed it, please catch our podcast and or get a CD of that message, and he says that but no one understands him because he's why he's talking to God. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. The word edification, of course, means what? To build up. And the word uh, exhortation means to encourage. And then it says to comfort. We know what that means. So prophecy is so beneficial because it does those three things. If anybody's ever told you, how many of you ever, somebody has said, you know, you've received a prophecy from an individual, somebody that said they've prophesied to you. Okay, most of the church. Uh, how you know that was a prophecy from the Lord is it built you up, it encouraged you, or it brought comfort. If they said, I got a prophecy for you and I see you laying in a casket holding in a white lily, I'm not sure what that means. That was not prophecy. That was not prophetic. That was pathetic. Okay, you with me? When God speaks to you, he's always going to speak to the highest and the best in your life. I can look up the verse, won't take the time to do it, but in the Old Testament, God says that he who desires to speak for me, if you want to be my spokesman, this is what he says. He said, you will extract the precious from the vile. See, that's how you know it's from the Lord. You, you, you could prophesy to the vilest person in this county. But God wouldn't reveal their sins or speak concerning their sin. He would speak to that thing to rise up. Whatever you speak to will rise up in a person. And so when, you, when God comes in and finds a man named Gideon, chicken, and hiding from his enemies, what does God say to him when he prophesies to him through the angel of the Lord? God says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. He didn't look like a mighty man of valor, and he wasn't acting like a mighty man of valor, and nobody else would have called him a mighty man of valor, but God sees what's on the inside of you, and God extracts the precious that's inside you, hidden from the vial, and God will call you what you, what, what you can be if you'll just yield yourself to the Lord. So God called Gideon a mighty man of valor. God called Abraham a father of nations when he had not even yet had one child. When he lied twice about his wife and said, she's not my wife, she's my sister. And he did an awful thing and he allowed that Pharaoh to take his wife into his harem. How many wants a husband like that? Then a lady in here wants a man like that. 
And yet, listen to me, not one time do you ever find in the Bible God rebuked him for that. God never said you shouldn't have lied, you shouldn't have done it, I'm disappointed in you. None of that. Are you saying it's right to lie? No, I'm not telling you that. I'm saying that in spite of all that, when God did talk to him, he said, you're a father of many nations. God had a purpose and a destiny for his life. And see, that's what prophecy does. It brings that out. God speaks to that area in your life. And so when you're a prophet and you say, I'm a prophet of God, and you're faced with a valley of dead bones, that's past dead. God said, can these bones live? I mean, he was so moved by what the devastation that he saw, he just said, only you, could, only you know God. How many knows Ezekiel 37 is where I'm at? And God said, if you want these bones to live, what did he say? Speak to the bones. Prophesy. Speak to the wind. Begin to speak things positive. Speak those things that will bring life, not death. Amen? That's already been worth the drive if you didn't get no more than that right here. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit that you have given and placed within each of your believers. Thank you for those gifts that build us up, that comfort and bring encouragement to us. And Father, we thank you for your gifts operating even this day, even in this service, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Shake somebody's hand before you sit down. Give them a big smile. Tell them welcome to Grace Point Church. Now, I want to do something a little bit different <laughs> this morning, and uh, if, uh, the, uh, I, want us to, I want you to experience, some of you may have never experienced, some of you may be, you know, a lot of churches have just taken a position of, you know, these spiritual gifts are so, I guess you'd say maybe sometimes messy, that they just decide to just ignore that whole area like it doesn't even exist and just doesn't do it. And some go beyond even ignoring it to forbidding it. Um, the Bible talks about Paul saying over and over that he says that he wants us to prophesy. He says in verse 3, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 14 and 3, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to who? To men. Now he says in verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue, and we believe in, in, in our prayer language and in the gift of being able to speak in tongues, it doesn't make you a better you know, more holy person or anything. God doesn't have second-class, third-class Christians. He doesn't have grandchildren. He just has sons and daughters. Uh, but he who speaks in a tongue does what? He edifies or does what? He builds up himself, and that's needed. But he who prophesies does what? He builds up the church, and we are the church. Uh, Paul said, I wish you all spoke with tongues, okay? Yeah, I was amazed when I was growing up. I'd hear somebody, some church religious devil say speaking in tongues is of the devil i always wondered when i lived so greatly for the devil i never spoke in tongues one time i was trying to do everything he had you know but i never spoke in tongues because it's not of the devil the devil wants you to think that the religious crowd wants you to think that because it it builds you up in the faith it edifies you but he who prophesies edifies the church paul said and he says in verse five i wish you all spoke with tongues but even more that you prophesied for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. And then I want you to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 39. At the end, last two verses of this chapter, verse 39 and 40, this is what Paul says. He says, therefore, brethren, 
talking to Christians, desire earnestly to what? Prophesy. You see him keep pushing this gift. Desire earnestly to prophesy. And look what he says. And do not do what? Forbid to do what? Speak with tongues. So guess what? If you go to a church or you know a church that forbids to speak with tongues, that's not a Bible church. That's an ungodly situation. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. It says don't forbid. And I have been and preached in churches that had on their bylaws. Is that right, Pastor Billy Ray? <laughs> he knows it firsthand. He was part of a church like that. When I rescued him, no, when the Lord, <laughs> when we met. But they had a, a position in your church. Raise your hand so they know I ain't making up a fella. He's one of our elders, one of our staff pastors. But uh, it was on the bylaws, am I correct, that if you spoke in tongues, and as a member of that church, you had to surrender your membership. Is that right? What a shame. I don't know what they do with this verse then. Because Paul said, don't do that. Paul said, don't forbid to speak with tongues. And in the next verse, let all things be done decently and in order. God wants the gifts to operate, and there is structure and order and safety in how they operate. Then I didn't give you guys this, but y'all are working on the fly back there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, 20, and 21. Again, Paul writing by the Spirit, and he says in verse 19, do not quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. How can you quench the Spirit? Verse 20, do not despise prophecies. Because there will be a time that you'll despise prophecies. Uh, I've despised it, and I was the one prophesying. It's easy to despise it because a lot of times it doesn't look right, sound right to the natural brain, to the mind. And then he says in 21, test all things, hold fast what is good. Now, uh, when, I was, when I started uh, the first church that I founded and pastored, Cornerstone Church in Sparks, I started that church in March the 10th of 91 in obedience to the Lord. The Lord had spoke to me in March of 1990 to start the church. Too long a story to spend too much time on, but just know that I was very satisfied in the denomination I was in. I was in a Pentecostal worldwide denomination. I was happy. I was licensed ordained in that denomination. I had evangelized in that uh, denomination for six years. I had been offered uh, several churches that I turned them all down, not because I thought it was great, but because the Lord didn't say to take them. Uh, and, uh, but, I, you know, I was just at a place in my life uh, where when I, when I finally said to God, I said, God, I don't understand, you know, my, my, my destiny here, my, my direction, my purpose as far as in the ministry. And what I felt like, I felt like the chalkboard, somebody, anybody old enough remember a chalkboard with real chalk? I felt like the chalkboard was filled with, tri, uh, you know, calculus and trigonometry and geometry and all kind of real difficult uh, algebra problems that just hurt your head to look at, the, you know. And in my mind, I just erased all of that. And I, for the first time in my life, I, like, I said, God, here's the chalk. You tell me what to do. And the moment that I did that, in March of 1990, God spoke to me, Cornerstone. It's like God was waiting on me to say, let me direct your life. Let me, you know, you, let me, you know, let me do it. And so uh, that's when God spoke to me. And a year later, I started. In March of 91, it was about the 10th, I started. It was very exciting that, you know, and so, but it was also a lot of attacks, because I had left a denomination that people thought I'd be in. My pastor didn't understand it. You've got to understand that from the time that, that my wife and I were married, July the 12th of 1980, uh, we had been married, of course, 11 years at that time. But that whole 11 years, I had been on what our denomination called Pastor's Council, which would be the same as my elders here. And I'd served on that for 11 years because our church voted you in. They didn't care how young you was. If they would like you, they stuck you in there. So I'd been on that, you know, served in the leadership for 11 years. 
and the Lord uh, uh, had used us greatly. We loved those people. But then in that uh, time, God spoke to me to start the church, and I did. People said, you miss God. I had people that I thought of said, you won't last six months. All kind of stuff happened. So the first year was pretty tough because uh, a lot of friendships were gone. A lot of things happened that was not pleasant. So I was invited to a church in Moultrie, Georgia, uh, not because I was going to speak or anything, but because we had a drama team in those days, and, and this pastor had heard that we had had a young people drama team, and he wanted us to come and, and for our young people to do a drama, and he was having a revival. And so we went. I probably had 40 of my people went with me, and uh, I'm just sitting back in the congregation watching our young people do the drama. He introduces a speaker that I'd never heard of, never seen. Speaker comes to the pulpit to preach. As soon as he gets to the pulpit, he looks out, and he calls me out and asks me to stand up. And he begins to prophesy to me. Now, that wasn't new to me. I, had, I received prophecies. But this, would I would have to say, over 30 years of preaching, over 27 years of pastoring, this, would I would put at the top. And I want them to remember, now, what I was going through was really tough, tough year. People said, you missed God. You shouldn't have started this church. You should have stayed in nominate. You won't last. All kind of discouraging things were being said to me. So here's a guy I've never seen in a church that I'm just sitting in there, like you guys sitting here somewhere, watching our young people do a drama, and we're going to you know, do that and go home. And here a guy from Augusta, Georgia, named Bishop Jim Dutton, is introduced, never had heard of him. He comes to the pulpit, and I think I remember that night, he was dressed to the T. I mean, he had on black and white two-tone shoes. I mean, he had a black and white suit on, because he was always real fancy dresser, you know. And we were, I think he was the only person in the suit that whole church. We was all dressed in blue jeans and Whatever, so he really stood out, you know. So when he went to the pulpit, it's like, wow, where do you think he was preaching at? You know, this is Moultrie, man, come on. Um, but uh, anyway, he, uh, uh, he calls me out. So I want him to play that and let you listen. I might bring you in. And the Lord saith that's twofold. For in past associations and in associations with a denomination in the past, I use men to bring you out. Yea, but even the men that I use to bring thee out of the world into denominational structure shall not be able to bring thee in to this thing I've declared unto thee. And Moses is dead. That which brought thee out cannot serve thee any longer. For I shall join thee in covenant of heart and spirit to brethren who shall help thee and shall impart to thee and thou shalt be a blessing unto them and they shall bring thee in. For I am joining thee to a Joshua generation. Yea, Moses brought thee out of sin. Yea, but I shall cause even a fresh move of God and brethren united to a fresh move of God. Yea, that thou shalt find to be brethren indeed. They shall with thee come into a new thing in thy God. But know also, saith the Spirit of the Lord, that even as thou hast served to bring many out, it shall require a new manner and a new touch and a new anointing on thy life to bring the people in. For thou shalt stand and say the past is over and buried and gone and it's a new day and thou shalt not be afraid to change. Wow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thou shalt not 
be in the bondage and the intimidation of allowing people to say, you missed your God. For you are on time. Hallelujah. It's the right time. You're on time. You're not a day late. And you'll not be a dollar short. Saith the Spirit of God. For one way I will confirm thy steps that they are ordered to me is that I shall bring in resources. Yea, I shall bring in heaps of money, saith God. Yea, and thou shalt not look to the denomination for retirement. Thou shalt not look to man for blessing. Thou shalt look to thy God and he shall reward thee. And I shall bring money from the north and from the south and from the east and the west. And yea, where I God, I provide. And I shall shut the mouth of the denomination. I shall shut the mouth of the lions that have roared out against thee. I shall shut the mouth of men of unbelief. And I shall prosper thee. And it shall be a sign unto thee. And it shall be a sign unto them that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And thou shalt not let the bondage and pressure of people hinder the flow that I shall release in thee from this night forward. Thou shalt not look at their faces, but thou shalt behold my face in a new dimension. And thou shalt stand with the glory of the Lord upon thee. And the word in thy mouth shall be sharp. And it shall pierce down into the soul of men. And it shall separate soul and spirit. And life shall spring up in thine assembly. And thou shalt find one here and one there and another. And then another saying, Yea, and amen, O man of God, lead us and we shall follow thee. And thou shalt lead the people of God into green pastures and beside still waters. Because thou shalt not be afraid to change. For no, saith God, Moses saw the land, but he could not enter the land because he did not change when God said change. Because he feared the people. There shall be no fear of the people in thy heart. From this night forward, I extract it out of thee. I surgically, by the laser of my light, remove it from thee. Thou shalt not stand in fear, but thou shalt stand in faith, and thou shalt declare the word of the Lord. Thou art not voted on any more, saith God. Thou art not controlled by man anymore. Thou art my set man. I place thee. I establish thee. I declare it so. And thou shalt stand in the confidence thereof. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I wanted you to hear. Now I can't even put in words how beneficial that's been to me all these years. I know that probably doesn't mean near as much to you as it did to me. But that is so accurate. Now, here's a guy that's never seen me before. I've never seen him. And he actually says, I see you in an association with the denomination in the past. 
And even though I use that denomination to bring you out of the world, which I got saved in that denomination, he said, that dom- denom- it doesn't make him wrong. It just said, that denomination cannot bring you into that thing that I've declared unto you. And it's so specific, thou art not voted on anymore. We were voted on in those things. That I would not look to the denomination for retirement. I was worried about all those things. People told me how stupid I was to leave, uh, you know, a denomination where I was respected and could have retirement and have all these things. And, uh, and, and all these things. And exactly that happened in exactly uh, a, a year later. So this was, I started in March the 10th of 91. That was in March of 92. And so how beneficial. I left there that night so encouraged, knew that the, the God of this world, universe, knew me personally, uh, so, so specific, so detailed uh, in my life. He said, you'll not allow people to say that you've missed God. That's what all was being said to me for that whole year by, you know, not, not our church, but people that were upset with me for leaving the denomination. They said he missed God. And God used those very same words. And that has happened to me over and over in my life. And, and, uh, and, and I've seen it uh, where God has used prophecy to encourage and change. And so if we resist prophecy, if we do like Paul said, if we despise prophecies, then this is what we cut off from our lives and from the church. Now, they're not all as dynamic as that. And prophecy doesn't have to have all the... You know, that's pretty explosive. That's, you know, and I can't tell you how many times, of course, one of the first things I did that I learned, because back then it was on cassette, was we transcribed it so you don't lose that. Paul told Timothy, he said, to make war with your prophecies. So you need to take your prophecies and, and begin to make them part of your life and pray. And, and, and you know, and they have, to, they have to be in agreement with the word of God. Now, there's a lot of, you know, come on now, there's a lot of nutty people out there circling around in the church world. I, I, you know, you probably have figured that out. And they're just, you know, I can't do nothing about the nuts, flakes, and toast posties and all that kind of stuff. And there'll be people to meet you in the parking lot and say, I got a word from God for you and, and all that. And, you know, and I think you know how to eat around the bone, don't you? Uh, so you know what to, what to eat and what, you know, and how to spit the gristle out, okay? So there's going to be things that people's just going to do. And I understand that, you know, but that, like the old saying, you don't want to throw the baby and the wash water out. You want to hold what's precious. That's what Paul said. Let all things be tested. Hold on to what's good. Uh, you know, prophecy has to be judged. Just because somebody goes shundai, shundai, untie my bow tie, and then they say, I got a word from God for you, that doesn't mean it's from God. It has to be judged. It has to be judged against the word of God. It has to agree with Scripture. It can't contradict uh, Scripture. And God has used that in my life uh, so many times. I'm not claiming to be, never have claimed, never have said I was a prophet. But, but we can all, Paul said, prophesy. And so there's not a person in here today that doesn't need encouragement, doesn't need to be comforted probably, and doesn't need to be built up. And that's what it's for. So when somebody prophesies to you, it will do one, two, or maybe all three of those things in your life. It will build you up. It will encourage you. I remember uh, years ago. So that, that's how it's benefited me. And, and over the years, sometimes I'd be discouraged. Sometimes, to be honest with you, I just want to quit, uh, quit the ministry, quit it all. And then I, I would reach and get that cassette. Now we have it, my, my John, and just put it on CD. It's a little bit, you know, safer. And, uh, but I would play it to myself. And because one thing about audio recordings and so forth, amazingly, it captures the anointing that was in that moment. Uh, those same chill bumps, those same anointings will, are captured on that soundtrack. And, and I don't, over these years, all these years, I, there'd be times that I would pull that out and I would play it. Or there would be times that I would remind God. 
And let me say that I, I pastored Cornerstone 19 years before I came to Valdosta. And never one time did I ever have a, a fundraiser of any kind. God did exactly what he said. He would cause money to come from the north, south, east. I don't mean this mean, but the church I was in, we was always peddling something as members. We was selling, our ladies was on the street selling, you know, cookbooks, paring knives, vanilla flavoring. If, you, if you're real old in here, you might remember Tom Watts and stuff like that in a cardboard box. I'm, I'm not saying that people are bad and you shouldn't do it and that I'm better because we didn't. But I just knew when God told me to, 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 that he would meet every financial need. And he had done that already in that first year, and he did it for all the 19 years that we were there. We were able to do all kinds of things. I was on TV for 10 years uh, in, in different venues, mostly in South Georgia. We was on Channel 10, UPN Network out of uh, uh, Savannah where we had churches with our network of churches. And, and uh, we was on in Atlanta. We was on in Dallas, Texas. We was on at different times. Never did have to say, you know, send me some money. I'll send you a, a, a cloth or I got some holy oil out of a, you know, vial, and I'll send you that. Or, or we found a holy well, we'll send you a vial of precious water, you know, if you'll send us $100. Or if you don't send us money, we're going to be off air next week. Well, go on off the air then, uh, you know, if you got to turn into that kind of deal. But God did what he said. He provided resources, and, and uh, it was just an amazing journey. But even when I was in the denomination that I was in, the, uh, God mainly uses me in prophecy at times, and, and people want me to flip the switch. And I tell them not only can I not flip the switch, I don't even know what, where the wall is that the switch is on, okay? This is by the Lord. The Lord does this. And, uh, and, and it's wonderful because we have a supernatural God. I remember uh, hearing John Osteen. This is Joel Osteen's dad. Uh, and, uh, of course, he's the founder of Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. And I remember John Osteen, if you know anything about him, was just a nice Baptist pastor. And he pastored in a Baptist church for 19 years. And, uh, and, uh, but he said he never saw anybody healed. He never uh, had any supernatural things to happen. Why? Because he didn't believe in those things. And if you don't believe in it, somebody said, well, I don't believe God will do that in my church. Well, he won't. You don't have to worry about it because you don't believe in that. Um, this, this whole kingdom economy works by faith and believing. And, and so John Osteen, I heard him out of his own mouth say, uh, he said, you want to know what brought me out? Uh, and I don't mean this negative to the Baptist people. I'm just simply telling his story. He said, well, what brought him out of that in his Baptist church in Texas, it wasn't Houston then where he pastored, I forget the name of the town, but uh, uh, where he pastored, uh, he said he had a young girl in his church, in his Baptist church, and, uh, and she, she said she got filled with the Holy Spirit, and she spoke with tongues. And so one night in their service, she just stood up and started speaking in tongues in their Baptist church in Texas. And you don't do that. That's illegal. Time out. Throw the flag. Wait a minute. Whoa. Blow the whistle. But as soon as she did that, a guy stood up who was a missionary to Africa. He was an American, but he was a missionary to Africa. He had spent many, many years in Africa in a certain uh, country. And he stood up and told John Osteen, that little girl, is that, you, is that your little church member? And he said, yeah, I forget, she's eight, nine years old. He said, she just spoke perfect African dialect in the tribe that I ministered to in Africa, and she was praising and glorifying God. John Osteen said, that snatched me out of the pit of mediocrity. And he said, I instantly became a believer in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and so forth. And that's what ushered him in. To, to, from that, you know, getting the left foot of fellowship, as Brother Hagin used to say, 
and he began Lakewood Church as he moved to Houston a few years later. And so I remember even when I was in the denomination, I was in a town. I'm going to leave the towns out just because this goes to a lot of places and respect people's privacy. But there's many people sitting here that knows this is very true. But I was in, I was in a denomination. And so that night I, I was in a small church, a uh, small town. One, one uh, caution light or traffic light maybe in this town. And I'm preaching in this little church. And I look on the back row as I got up to preach. And there on the back row sat a preacher that I had seen in our denomination and his wife. Now, I'm just being honest. This is what, you know, this made me very nervous. Just, I'm just being honest with you. It made me nervous because in my home church, my Pentecost church I was raised in, he would come, you know, every two years or so, he would come from time to time. He had came and ran revivals. He's a very gifted preacher. He could sing and play and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I was thinking, like, I'm in a little old church out in this county. I'm wondering what he... I mean, what's he doing in my meeting on a weeknight? You know, I mean, what's he here for? Because most preachers I knew back then always looked for opportunity to get out of going to church. They didn't go on extra times. They, got, they went enough on their own. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't understand that back then. If you ever see a preacher coming extra, there's something going on in his life, I tell you. And I looked on the back row and I saw him and I thought, man, I'm just, I felt kind of intimidated even preaching in front of this guy because he was such a, to me such a better preacher. But I preached. As I got to the end of the message, I heard the Lord say to me to, to minister prophetically to his wife. Now, how this works in my life is God just eliminates the person. I feel that draw of love and com compassion to them. So I, I called his wife forward and I asked her, would she come? And if I know that there's a husband present, I said, would you come with her? And so I had him to come. And I didn't have a clue what this guy was doing, if he was still evangelized. I didn't know what he was doing. But all I knew was he, he was in my meeting and God told me to pray for his wife. So, so the, if you're going to move in the gifts, you're going to have to do it by faith. If you want God to give you the whole atlas before you take the trip, you ain't going to get it. You're going to get a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Or, you know, the, And so God mainly uses me in the prophetic and prophecy and word of knowledge. So his wife came to the front. He came and stood right behind her. And, and while she's walking up now, you can believe inside Brother Dale is praying and saying, Father, help me, Tell, you know, show me something. You know. And if God don't show me something, and sometimes he doesn't, I just go, Lord loves you, let me pray for you. That's always a good go-to, okay, because he does, and that's true, all right? But when she stood before me, now this is rare, and, I, and I'm not telling you this to make me think that I'm something, because I already know I ain't. I just hope you can figure that out, okay? Because uh, uh, I live in this house. I know, I know how weak it is. But when, when she stood before me on this occasion, I saw in the spirit, I can't explain it, but I saw a clump of grapes, purple grapes, beautiful grapes. I saw a pair of silver scissors go like this that opened up halfway between the, the bunch of grapes and cut, cut it. I saw that grapes that were cut fall to the top of a brown table and grapes rolled off that table in every direction. I saw that like watching a TV show when she stood before me. Now, when she's standing before me and I saw that, I just, I'm saying what I'm seeing. I said, I see a bunch of grapes. It's not hard. I'm just, you just, it's easy. I'm telling you what I'm seeing. And I see a pair of silver scissors that cut those grapes right in half, and they fell to the table, and they rolled off. And then the next image I saw was this pastor's wife that I saw was her face in her prayer time. And she was crying out to God, and she was saying, God, why, why, why? And, and, I, and I told her that. I said, I see you in your place of prayer, and I see you crying out to God, and you're asking God why. And then I heard God say, tell her so that it will bring forth more grapes. 
bigger grapes and better grapes, saith God. Now, that's not just, you know, crazy out, weird Mars Star Trek prophecy. What did it mean, Brother Dale? I didn't have a clue. Because, see, all I have is a word of knowledge. I don't know why I know what I know or why I saw what I saw. All I know is I told it to her. Now, while I'm telling it to her, I would say this. Every hair on my body is pushing my coat off me. You understand that? The power of the manifestation of God's presence and spirit. It's nice to have that. You don't have to have it because God's here whether we feel him or not. Okay. Um, and then I could really, as I looked to her husband, I mean, he was just weeping, standing behind her, and she was crying profusely. Well, I give them that word, and then I went on and, and, and went down the line. You know, they like to line up in those days, and I went on praying for other people. After the service ended in just a few moments, that pastor, that preacher come to me. I didn't realize he told me, he said, do you still live in, in uh, at that time I lived in Cook County. He said, you still live in Cook County? I said, yeah. He said, listen, you got to drive through my county to get back to your home. He said, I need you to come to my house tonight. And I want you to know this been in church. Think how strange that would be, you know, for a guy just, you know, you got to come to my house tonight. So, so he gave me the directions to his house, told me where it was, give me the address. And he said, Brother Dale, just please, please come to my house tonight. I got to talk to you tonight. You just don't understand. And uh, I said, okay. So I, that's very unusual. Somebody, because you know, they know you. He's a preacher too. He knows you're tired. You won't get home. But so I went to his house. And as soon as I got there, I walked in, you know, of course, he going over you a drink, glass of tea or something. And, and, but he said, and, and they were still crying. They couldn't even hardly talk to me. He said, uh, he said, you have no idea what, how God used you tonight. And I knew I didn't. <laughs> I just said, okay, you know, I don't. He said, let me tell you what happened. And uh, he said, of course, I'm pastoring. He, and he was, I was in a city much larger, not, you know, it was larger where I was preaching that revival meeting. And he said, I'm pastoring here. And I've been here for, you know, a few years. And he said, uh, but you don't have a clue what God did tonight. He said, a few Sundays ago, a woman stood up in my Sunday morning service and publicly challenged me and said a lot of real lies and negative things and walked out of the church. And he said, half of my church walked out with her. He was crying. He said, Brother Dale, people that I thought would have died for me walked out behind that woman. And he said, I lost half my church. And he said, and ever since then, he said, I've been really contemplating leaving here and going to another church or trying to get another appointment or whatever. And he said, and that's why we were in your meeting tonight. We're just desperate to hear from God. We just felt like we heard you were in revival over there in that town. So we just decided we'd come and, and put ourselves in a position if God wanted to use you, that he could use you to minister to us. And he said, brother, God met us and God used us. And he said, based on that word that God gave you, he said, we know those grapes represent our people, the half of them that got cut and left and rolled off the table. He said, but God said he's going to bring forth more grapes, bigger grapes and better, so we're going to stay right here in this city and we're going to love and pastor these people. He said, and I want you for a revival as fast as you can get to my church. And so I looked in my little point book, don't remember, just a few weeks, I think, out maybe a month or so, and I scheduled a revival for him. I remember when that revival occurred, because my youngest son, Austin, how old is Austin now? 28. Boy, somebody's getting old. So my youngest, my baby boy is 28 years old. He was born during that revival on a Wednesday about 12 noon is when he was born. So obviously I remember that revival. But that's when I happened. We didn't know that was going to happen, of course, but that's when it happened. So when I got there, now I'm still in the denomination that don't believe in a lot of things that, that I believe in now. I don't mean that offensively. So one thing that our denomination didn't talk about was prophets, like any of them being alive then. 
And they sure didn't talk about no apostles walking around. But we did believe in evangelist pastors and teachers. We knew that evangelist was the guy who comes in spring and fall with a shiny hairdo, shiny shoes, and, you know, and sermons on hell and heaven, you know, and uh, try to get everybody saved on behalf of us, you know. And then we knew the, the teachers were the Sunday school wing, and we knew who our pastor was. But as far as apostles and prophets, we didn't believe there was none. Nobody ever told me there was none of them alive running around today. We thought that was all past tense. So I go to this church that is in the denomination, by the way, that I'm in. And I'm sitting on the front row with my wife. And, uh, and he says, when he gets up to introduce me, this is what he said. I'm just telling you a story. He says, the prophet of God is with us today. Well, I'm looking around to see who he's just to recognize. Because <laughs> I've never heard a pastor say there was a prophet there. And then I realized that he's talking about me. And to be honest, I was a little bit offended by that. And I was theologically stumped by that. I'm just thinking, he don't know what he's talking about. He evangelized too long. He, need, he don't know what he's doing. You know, ain't nobody a prophet. And uh, so anyway, but when I went to the pulpit that day, you're talking about the spiritual lights being on and open. I was able to prophesy in a way that I had never happened before. I was, you know, and God was just, it was just so, it was easy. I, I was trying to figure out why God was using me so mightily. I mean, I remember looking out and like on this side, four or five rows, and I remember uh, you know, God just, I could just know stuff. I just don't know how I knew it. I knew it. I remember looked at one guy and I said, brother, I said, you used to play uh, instruments in the church and be a worship leader, but it's been a long time since you've been even in the house of God, but God's calling you back because he loves you and, and stuff. I mean, and the, I remember the whole congregation, because <gasps> he was a local guy that they all knew and he had left God and he was all in the clubs and playing stuff like that. And that guy fell right in that uh, chair right there and gave his life back to God that, in that moment. I remember God giving me the name of a child, the full name. And I said, there's a, there's a teenager, and his name is this and this. I said, where is he? And his mother screamed, ah! She said, he's in the youth building. I said, go get him. And she went and got him, and God ministered to him. And we were having healings and stuff. And every night, the crowd was getting bigger and bigger every night because people want to come and see the sideshow, or they want to come get prophesied or whatever. So they just kept coming and kept coming. And I'm trying to figure out why God's using me. I said, it must be called my wife's pregnant. And she's about to give birth, and I'm being, you know, sacrificed and leaving her and all. And, you know, and my son was born Wednesday, but I still came Wednesday night ministered. And maybe God's just really paying me back. See, I had a real stupid thought process back then. Or I thought, my God, I said, I'm, I've, I've broken through to a new level. New level. New level, higher devil. Glory to God, whatever. I mean, I'm going to be, I'm going to go, you know, booked up. You know, I'm going to go on, I'm going to be TBN World Tour. I thought I'd done broken through. I really didn't know because the pastor wanted me to stay and run another second week. Looking back, I should have. But I was already had a revival schedule, and I had to call pastor and counsel. And I thought, well, you know, I mean, it's going to be like at the next church. <laughs> Boy, is I wrong. The next church, I can't even feel like I can't even preach, much less prophesy or do anything. You know what I realized? It was the faith of those people. See, that pastor went back between the time that that happened to him and when I got there, and he told them that what had happened. And, buddy, when I came, they expected God to just do amazing stuff. And so their faith is why God allowed me to move. And he would do that this morning if you had faith like they had. I've seen that happen over and over. So their faith was real high. That's why people get healed in many hen meetings or when they would go to Catherine Kuhlman meetings because they're not going there just to have another log of search service. They're going there expecting God to do something. So God will meet you at your faith and expectation. If you think, well, this old brother Dale, he's going to talk to us a little bit and we're going to go eat chicken, then that's what you get. 
That's about all you can get. But Jesus said himself, he said he could not do, Jesus could not do mighty miracles in his own hometown because of their unbelief. And he marveled at their unbelief. Except that he laid his hands on a few sick folks and healed them. See, sometimes an atmosphere of unbelief can just shut down even Jesus. It shut him down. One thing you can't shut down is when I lay my hands on you. <laughs> Except that he laid his hands on a few sick folks. Because you can't stop that transfer. Um, an atmosphere can shut down the, the manifestation. We don't understand the, the spirit realm. That's why Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts, the spirit realm. And so that was an amazing thing. That pastor told me, and, and God used me such in, a, in an unusual way uh, during that week. And then he told me, he said, I want to book you for one, from one year from now to come back and do another revival. So while I was there, I was scheduled another revival. Guess what, Brother Austin's turning one year old during that next revival. Now let me tell you what God did. What did God tell him through that prophecy? More grapes, bigger grapes, better grapes. Just a few days, a few weeks after I left the revival, I'm not claiming credit, but after I left the revival, a church in that city, unfortunately now, we're not, I'm just telling you the story, okay? But a church in that city, a very large charismatic church, we'll say it that way, their pastor had a problem and, 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 and failed in, from the ministry or quit ministry or whatever. I don't even know what the details was. But that pastor said, and I remember he'd lost half his church. But just, a, just within two Sundays of me leaving the revival, the back doors of his church opened and a hundred plus brand new people he had never seen walked in the doors of his church. A hundred. Uh, how many knows that, uh, that, uh, that tripled his church growth from one Sunday to the next and it just kept growing. Now, it grew so fast, so quickly. Listen to me now. This is all the truth. You remember I told you he booked me one year later? When I went back one year later, they were in a brand new sanctuary. They had done build a brand new sanctuary. Sometimes you can't even get the plans drawn in the zone and done for that. But they had done build, because the sanctuary I was in, I don't mean no offense, I'm just telling you the story. You know, it was, like, it was all earth tones, orange carpet, you know, like orange carpet and orange pews and stuff. I go back and it's like green carpet and green, you know, everything changes all the time. And just a whole different, and, and I'm still in the denomination that I'm in. And I go back and it's a totally different church. I remember sitting on the, 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 the rostrum, they called it, with the pastor waiting for my time to preach. And I looked out and there was a guy standing up in the pew, beating a tambourine. Grown man, standing up on the chair, beating in the tambourine, beating tambourine. And I, I'm talking about, what is he doing? He said, he does that about every Sunday. And I'm thinking, that's disrespectful. You shouldn't stand on the pews. You know, I, 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 you know, I had a lot of religion in me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand that. You know, and... And so after the meeting, he introduced me to that man, and he was a doctor in that town. And uh, he was some of that charismatic bunch that came in to this Pentecostal church. How many knows it changed the flavor of that church? They come in with their tambourines. They come in, you know, with a lot of stuff. And, and, and that church was totally unique and different. Even though it was in the denomination I was in, it was just the, the, the whole thing of the church changed. And that church grew Hunt several hundreds of people, and from the time that that happened until the time that that pastor, many years later, over a decade later, left that church and moved to another city to take a, a, a pastorate, he always had me come and preach every year. I always preached his homecoming. They had homecoming, they call it. And I always preached his homecoming. And even when I left the denomination and started Cornerstone, when all the other Denominational churches, the folk, be honest with you, they, they, they kicked me to the curb. They were done with me. 
I didn't wear their same jersey, so they ain't, they, they, I'm on, to me, I thought we was all on the same team. I didn't realize it. But, uh, so they didn't have nothing to do with him, but he's the only guy. He never treated me any different. He never said anything. He didn't care because he knew what God had placed on the inside. And I've seen God change things like that through prophecy. I remember, uh, and some of you have heard me tell this before, but, it, we, but we're, see, the, the Bible says that the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It says that in Revelation. So the testimony of Jesus. So what I'm doing right now is I'm giving you testimonies that they're real. I give you one just, I think, last Sunday about the church where God, where a, a little Methodist lady was in a service that I was in when I was in the denomination, and I prayed for her, and she was healed because God prophetically gave me a knowledge. He said she has an infirmity. He didn't tell me what it was, but it was breast cancer, and God healed her instantly. And uh, her whole church knew it. Same thing there. When I came to that church, God moved in a mar marvelous way because that pastor, even though there was a Methodist church, that pastor had told them the testimony and that girl was healing. So they expected God to move, and he did in a powerful way. I remember in, in our church, uh, we had a lady in our church that had went through, uh, and my wife was very extremely close to her, friendship-wise even, and, uh, and was helping her and praying for her and, and really almost talked to her daily during those rough times, rough years. Uh, and um, she went through a horrible divorce, and she tried every which way to, to you know, keep that marriage. And she didn't want a divorce, but uh, she was married to a knothead, and, and he just wouldn't, he wouldn't flinch. And, and I tried to counsel him and counsel him, and anyway, it ended. It just ended. She was just what I would say a victim of divorce, and uh, it just broke her heart. And, um, and so it was just, it was so hard, and she, she resisted it. And I remember the day that my wife told me, uh, uh, she said that the divorce is final today. And she, that lady had cried all that day because she thought God was going. And she even had people in her church, bless their hearts, was giving her prophecies. Some of them wasn't true. God's going to taint him. You know, he's going to get the last hour. He's, you know, he's going to call you. And God can do stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it, it just didn't happen. And I remember when my wife come and told me, she said, I just got off the phone with her. And she's just devastated. And she said, divorce is final. And she just thought God was going to come through and restore the marriage and it didn't happen and I said well this is both the worst day of her life and the best moment of her life because I said now she can close turn that page and go on just within a, a week or two of that that happening and my heart was broken for her, uh, God deals with me a lot in dreams and then on my Saturday a lot of times you know and sometimes I'll, I'll just say sometimes God deals with me a dream and the most wonderful services I have is on Saturday night when I can go to bed and God plays the video for me of what he wants me to do on Sunday morning. And all I have to do is come follow the, the script. I just do what he says. Some of you have seen that happen right here in this church. Uh, and that doesn't make me great. It just, I'm just trying to say that gifts are real, that God moves. And, and so in this dream, I saw this woman. They've got to remember, she just went through a horrible divorce. And right at this time, I didn't even think she liked men too good. She sure didn't like the one that... <laughs> And divorced her, okay? And uh, so in my dream, I see her giving birth to a baby girl. And I saw the baby. And I heard God tell me that this is the dream of her heart in the dream. He showed me her uh, giving birth. I saw the little baby girl. Um, and God said, that's the dream of her heart. And she's always dreamed to have a little girl of her own that she could dress up in frilly dresses and all that stuff. And God told me the next morning to call her out of the congregation and prophesy that to her. Now here, I'm fixing to call out a woman that ain't just went two weeks been divorced, ain't got even a boyfriend, much less a husband. And I'm finna prophesy she's finna have a baby girl at some point here. Now that's only happened to me twice in my life where God has told me to prophesy to a woman that 
I, I mean, I didn't even know they wasn't married. And, uh, and the, uh, the other woman goes to Cornerstone. She is married today, and, and I prophesied two children to her. And those two children, one of them just got married, and, and the other one still lives at home. So God's done, God will do what he says, exactly like he says. So here I call this woman out. And, of course, you can't deny this as a preacher because it's all on tape. It's all on recorded. And so I call her out, and I called her up front, and, and I said to her in front of God and everybody, I said, I saw you in a dream last night, and I saw you give birth to a little baby girl. And God says that's the dream of your heart, to have a little girl of your own. And I said, know this, if you won't relinquish the hope that is within you, God's put that dream within you. And the day comes, sister, that you will hold that daughter, and you will rejoice and praise God for it. And I said, amen, that's it. So she's got it on CD, tape, whatever. Now, I look like an idiot, really, to be frank with you, prophesying to her. Well, see, I didn't say nothing about a husband in a prophecy because God, you know, you're supposed to know the Bible. That means what I really, if you knew the Bible, that I just prophesied her husband too, even though I didn't say it. Do you understand that? So before long, a guy comes to our church, uh, and, 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 and the sister said, now, all men are ugly to me, including me, so... Uh, I ain't never thought a man looked good. But anyhow, I, I don't understand some of that stuff there. But, uh, but when this man started coming to our church, all the women that were single was all kind of all in a little frenzy there because they, they thought, you know, that he's a good-looking fella done coming here. Now, my wife kept saying to this lady trying to encourage her, you would have this little code that you would say to her. You remember what it was? Uh, T What? TDH. TDH. And so my wife would just look at her at church and say, don't worry, TDH is coming. TDH. And uh, that means tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> tall, dark, and handsome. So my wife was kind of like prophesying tall, dark, and handsome. Well, this guy fit that bill. He was tall, dark, and handsome. That's what they said. And there was a lot of little ladies in the church that was vying for his attention. And as a pastor, you just know things and, and all. And so, that, that, you know, we, we knew that. And I, I would say to you that this lady... Uh, because she didn't fit the little perfect stereotype of what, you know, everything, she just disqualified herself from being even in the running. She just, all these other little, 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 little young ladies, you know, they'd be way ahead of her, she thought. You know what? That guy's heart was turned to her. He fell in love with her. I married him. And they said about to fulfill the prophecy, glory to God. Now, she's at an age where the doctors are having a lot of negative things to say about birth and uh the possibility of birth you know is kind of dangerous they say at her age this and that well she has a prophecy brother dale you know she holds that cd up and she reminds god they actually tell her she can't have a baby impossible then they start exploring in vitro and all of that and uh and you know i didn't know all i know is you're gonna hold a daughter if you don't give up hope so she gets pregnant. Boy, our church got excited because they knew about the prophecy. This is a year or so later, two years later. She gets pregnant. She didn't carry the baby, I forget, very long, and she had a miscarriage. It just broke everybody's heart. You could just feel the faith in the church go down. You know, like, well, I don't understand. What, you know. I don't understand a lot of stuff either. But it just didn't happen for them. And it broke, it broke her heart, broke our heart. And then sometimes people want to go, you know, and this is kind of where, where Paul said, despise not prophesying, because kind of like about right there, 
I'm despising prophesying myself. I'm like, why can't I just be a nice Baptist preacher and preach three points in a poem on how to get saved and let's go home eat chicken and it'd be nice? Why can't I just be that guy? Why I got to be this guy that wants to press into all this other stuff, supernatural and gifts and all that? Because it's just messy. And God don't explain everything, you know, and stuff. I don't understand a lot of stuff. And I want to tell you this, God didn't take that child. All I know is that, God didn't take it. Uh, the Bible says children are a gift from the Lord. This is what the Bible says about God. It says, it does a comparison in John 10, 10. It says, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But in that same verse, comma, but I have come. That's why I've come. Because there's a thief loose on this planet. And his agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. So anything that steals, kills, or destroys is not from God. You've got to learn a real simple theology that helped me a lot. God good, devil bad. If it's good, it's from God. If it's bad, it's from the devil. I don't care what anybody has told you. God don't make people sick. God don't put diseases and sickness on people to try to teach them something. He's got much better ways. Right now, I'm teaching you, and God's using me to teach you. you don't, God don't put diseases and sickness on people. Would you put sickness and disease on your child to teach them? Would you expose them to some deadly virus? If you do, they'll lock you up in prison in Georgia for doing that child abuse. Don't accuse God of make yourself better than God. Okay? So God don't do that. I don't care what the church told you, what your favorite preacher told you. Well, we just don't understand. He don't understand. Just stop talking because God's good. He didn't bring disease. He don't take a children. Listen, if a, if a child is a gift from God, then my Bible says that gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So if God ever gave you a gift, what he's telling you is I will never take it from you. So all them funerals you went to where there's a little baby up there, a little small short casket, and the preacher said, you know, don't question God because we don't always understand. Sometimes the Lord does things we don't understand, and the Lord took this baby. That's a lie. That preacher lied, not out of intentional. He's just ignorant. He just don't know any better, and all he's doing is preaching some other preacher that is ignorant as he is. God don't steal babies. He don't take babies. He don't take life. He gives it. Okay, I see that went down like a rat sandwich with some of you, but you've been listening to the wrong preacher and reading the wrong Bible. Okay, because you could have said amen right there, and it would have been a blessing to God and to you. Okay, but God don't take babies. He don't steal babies. He don't do any of that. If God ever gives you a gift, he'll never take it from you. Whether it's a baby, a talent, or not, whatever it is, God is not a thief. Don't call my daddy a thief. He's not a thief. And he doesn't steal or kill. Well, the Lord need picked a flower for the bouquet table of heaven. What we need to do is pick you out the pulpit and get you a job somewhere and let you stop messing up people's view of God. But God don't do that. Well, why? I don't, there's a lot of, I don't know. When you get where you know all the answers, then you'll be God and we'll worship you for a while. But until then, you do this by faith. But God's good and you're not going to convince me otherwise. Now, so that, that didn't happen for him. Well, they seem like they weathered that pretty well. And they go on. Six months later, whatever, uh, she gets pregnant a second time. Oh, glory to God. This not happen. She carried the baby up probably a month longer that time. Here we got a call. Miscarriage. And she goes back to the doctor, and they just tell her, it ain't going to happen for you. You cannot carry a child. It's not going to work for you. Well, that put them in my office. And I remember that day, they're sitting in my office, and, and, and husband and wife are crying, weeping. And that's the day that I really despised prophecy when they left out, because I didn't have any answer for them. I mean, what do you say? They said, well, brother, we don't understand. I mean, you prophesied that we was going to have a baby, and, and, and we, and, you know, doctor said that we can't carry a child, and it's done happen twice, and they told us, you know, just quit trying. 
That's when I wished I was that nice preacher that didn't do this stuff. Because I'm looking at two grown people weeping, their heart's broken. You got to understand that somebody else heard that prophecy that Sunday morning too. And he's the thief. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to make prophecy look like it don't work and make God look like he don't care. But he is such a liar. And I looked at that couple and I said, listen, y'all, I love you. I can't even imagine what you're going through because I've never experienced it. But all I know is this. I saw your daughter. And if you won't relinquish the hope that's in you, you'll hold her. The day comes. You'll hold her. That's all I can tell you. That didn't seem like it rocked the world or nothing. They got up and let out my office. And I'm sitting there myself. And when they went out, I cry. And it just, it hurt. Time goes on. I don't have many months. She gets pregnant a third time. Now, what I did do this time, it was different. You say, well, I didn't do it before. Dumbness, I guess. But I, I, I looked out and found me two or three people in my church that I really knew would, would, wouldn't just say it, but would do it. And I said, would you, would you make a covenant with me and my wife to pray for this woman every day? until this baby hits the ground and declare God's promise. And they said, yes, pastor, we will. So that's what we did different. I don't know if that made the difference, but that's what we did. And so here comes that little baby. Of course, now they always tell you ahead of time, you can about to take a picture of the child while he's still in the womb, look and see his facial features. You know? And I remember the day coming, you know, and, and, and so I had people saying, well, pastor, what you going to do if it's a boy? I said, well, if it's a boy, that means she got a daughter coming. God didn't tell me which one was coming first. I said, I ain't going to let these people shake me. I heard, I saw what God said. And so here it comes. My wife came. She said, they did the, you know, ultrasound, whatever. She said, it's a little girl. Because that's why I can go, well, I know it was. I told y'all it was a little girl. (laughs) Well, she was born. I will tell you her name. Her name is Mary Alice. She's in every beauty pageant nowadays. And she? Last week she was in Atlanta. Yeah, we see her on Facebook. How old is she now? 11 years old. She is the prettiest little thing. She's always had a connection to me because I saw her for her mom and daddy did. I did. You didn't start on earth. That's just, this is just your earth day, but your birthday's a little bit different. Those can receive that. Y'all receive it. The rest of you just keep looking straight ahead and that like you understand. Mary Alice. Her mama dresses her in frilly dresses, always has for these 11 years. And uh, I don't get to see her much. The joy that she's brought that family. I remember when I dedicated her like I did little Jace today. Her mama asked. I remember at the dedication she came up and she said, uh, Pastor, she said, I, I have the prophecy when you prophesied to me as a single woman about her. Could we play that before we dedicate her today? says your dedication would do however you want to do it I remember that day they played that prophecy many years before where I called her out as a single woman weeping over her recent divorce not even having a boyfriend God give her a husband she never would have dreamed for in her own right he loves her with all his heart he, he give her that daughter that I saw in the spirit she's got the, the dream of her heart and she's got to do all the things. And I remember that day when that congregation, some of which wasn't even there, heard the prophecy. And they see the real people say, how many years later it was, but they're holding the prophecy. I'm holding her in my arms, dedicating her. You know what, that I felt faith just go through the roof. 
Those people believed in that moment that God could do anything. That he could do anything. And God can do anything. And he loves you. And if he'll do that for a little lady up the road, he'll do it for you. I've seen God do miracles. I could stand here all into the afternoon going one story after another story after another story where I've seen where God would give dreams or words of knowledge, and I've seen the miracle. Friday, my wife, most of you know, is in real estate business and uh, fairly new to it. She's doing a wonderful job. And, uh, but Friday, she got a call from an attorney, and she was to have a closing Monday, and them don't come along near as often as you think they would in the real estate business. And like they got a saying, if you ever walk away from the closing table with a check, I mean, that's something. Because <laughs> most time, stuff falls apart. It just it's just very difficult. So an attorney, while her and I are driving along in my truck, an attorney calls her. She's excited about the closing. She's worked on this for months. She's got a family. She's helped. They're excited. The wife said it's our dream home. Blah blah all that. They're supposed to go Monday morning and sign the papers and whatever. And the company gets most of the check. My wife gets her little part. But, you know, it's, it, we, you know, it's exciting for everybody, okay? And an attorney calls you. How many knows when an attorney calls you? That ain't good. Because most of the time he'll get his secretary to call you. But he told my wife, he said, I'm sorry to tell you, it don't look good. I just don't know about this one. Is that what exact words? I just don't know about this one. He said, there's a problem with the plot and this and that. Very convoluted and complicated and he said the county won't prove it and this and that and his man's trying to divide this lot from another lot and he said you know probably at the earliest middle of next week before I'll even hear from the county but but it's looking like that uh, if they even don't think about approving it it's going to have to get a variance and that can take up to 60 days and he said I just don't know if it's going to happen so my wife got off the phone and she was telling me all what he said I just felt the Spirit of the Lord come on me. I felt like God saying, son, you got, you got, y'all got to start believing me. Y'all got to start asking for stuff. I just reached and grabbed her by the hand, grabbed her hand, closed it up in mine, and I said, let's pray. I said, Father, your, your word says that the heart of the kings are in the hand of the Lord. And we have your favorites, your children, and I'm, I'm asking you for a miracle. That's what I said to him. And I know what the man said. But I won't, you know, and I knew my wife needed that little, God's letting her know. She's going to serve him regardless. But it, sometimes you just need that little bit of encouragement. I said, God, I'm asking you that we will hear back today. Before this day ends, that she will hear that everything's fine. And that the contract's going to go through and that family's going to get their home. And this will not be destroyed I'm asking to hear back today in Jesus name and we went on about our little trip where we was headed and Friday that same day she's up here <laughs> tearing up stop doing that that's illegal <laughs> I can't look at her no more she, I know she's going to cry um, she makes me cry you know if you love somebody you see them crying you just start crying you don't even know why they're crying you just start crying um 630, uh, the other realtor called her and said, I tell you what, it's just a miracle. <laughs> she said, so-and-so from the county 
called my client and said everything's going to be fine. They're going to work it out. They're just going to get approved. And, and, uh, and, and I looked at my wife because we were still in the truck, and I said, isn't that exactly what we asked God for? We got exactly what he asked for. See, then that may be a real little thing, but the Lord's there for you every moment, not just on Sundays at church, but every day and the, the things you deal with and the problems and the difficulties in your life. And none of that comes because we deserve it, because we've lived good enough or we've done well enough. It's all because of his good enough. But all he wants us to do is just put faith in him and put our faith in his goodness, that he is a God that you can still pray to. And, he, and what if you'd have prayed and that didn't happen like that? Well, I, I've got a lot of them. But it sure is nice to get one cha-ching every now and then and see it just happen just like what we said. But I, I, I remember sitting there in that moment because sometimes I, I shouldn't, but I feel like I got to take up for God. My little grandson got sick here the other day with the flu. And I had, and he'd been sick a few times, and he's five years old, and I've prayed for him several times because he basically lives with me, and I love that. But he'd been sick, and so Poppy's laid hands on him and prayed out loud where, where little lady could hear me pray. And then, but he heard me pray, and he, and he, and he, it, it didn't happen like we prayed. And one time he looked at me on, on the last time, he said, well, why don't God answer prayer? <laughs> he said, it don't work. I can't tell you how that broke my heart that day. I don't want my little grandson growing up thinking it don't work. God don't pray. You don't hear your prayer or nothing. This is real honest. You don't get this everywhere. But the other day they swabbed him and said, you got the flu. And I knew he was really sick. High fever. We couldn't even hardly get it to stay down. With, they take them kids now and they double them up on Tylenol and Motrin simultaneously. Now is the dosage, if you don't know that. And uh, he was still running high fever. So... Jill was at work, and I, he was laying on the sofa. He was so sick. Sometimes he just burst into crying because he felt so bad. <laughs> and uh, to be honest with you, I, I was debating whether to pray for him. I'm ashamed of that, but I'm just real because I don't want him to hear me pray something else that don't happen again. I'm not trying to build a lack of faith in him. I'm trying to build faith in him in God. I know God's good, but uh, I can't figure all this stuff out. So I said, buddy, I said, how about Poppy praying for you? He said, yeah, Poppy. So I knelt down, and I laid my hands, and I said, Father, you got to just go where your faith is, okay? To you, Jesus said, according to your faith, be made whole. So I said, uh, Father, thank you that you knew this day would come, and that you, before we ever got sick, you had made provision, for by your stripes we were healed. And so I draw now from your goodness and your provision that was laid up in store for us. And in Jesus' name, we declare this flu. We will not accept the diagnosis that he will be like this for five days, which is what he was told. And I declare to you that in the morning, he will wake up and he will want to play and run and be the little boy that he always is. That's what we're asking you for, Father. We ask you that in Jesus' name. That was my simple prayer. The next morning, he got up. He felt good. Now, he still run a little bit of a fever at night. But I remember one time he came in there that next morning and shook his little butt because he always is dancing and stuff and said, watch his poppy. And he was doing some new dance or something. And I knew then. And I, and I said, I said, hey, man, wait a minute. I said, you remember what we prayed yesterday? He said, yeah, poppy. I said, we got exactly 
what we prayed for. I said, let's praise God for what he did. So we praise the Lord. And, when I just said, and, and by that I mean we just say, Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Now, and, and then so I, I watched Aiden. I watched him. Now he's five. I watched him get that real contemplative look on his face. Because we just praise God for him. We got exactly what we asked for. He said, you know, Poppy, he said, Lord, uh, heal me. And, uh, but I still have a problem with Santa Claus. That's what he told me. And I said, well, let's don't worry about him right now. Let's just, let's just focus on this here. You know, he, he's got his own little way of thinking and processing. But you know what that did? It again put him back in the realm of, see, sometimes because mine and your prayers hadn't been answered like we thought, it's real easy just to stop asking. But I believe in that Bible in the book of James that says you have not because you ask not. And if you ask, don't ask in doubt and wavering, but ask in faith. Believe that God is hearing you, that he loves you, and that he wants to manifest his goodness to you. And God has a lot of ways of doing that, and he does it through the gifts of the Spirit. And sometimes those gifts are not as dramatic as Bishop Dutton prophesying to me in a public service and, and all that. And sometimes, it's like I told you, this, I was sitting at a Western Sizzling years ago, and the guy put it on my, it's on my page, on my Facebook page, if you want to check it out. It's on down the line now, but he put it there, and he said, I remember the day that I was sitting, you, sitting with you at the Western Sizzling. And I remember sitting there eating, you know, and I looked at the guy, and I don't even know if he's got a dad or not. I didn't know anything about him. That was the first time I'd ever saw him at our church, and I had asked him, somebody introduced me, and I just felt like I was supposed to take him to lunch that day with us, with our family. He's a single guy. So he went to lunch, and I remember as we were sitting there eating lunch, I was just going to buy his lunch, and we was hanging out. And I looked at him, and I felt such a compassion well up in my heart for him. And I just kind of looked in his eyes, and I felt the Spirit of the Lord just to tell him. I said, I believe the Spirit of the Lord is telling me to tell you, son, that the day comes that God's going to restore your relationship with your dad. And though it's not there yet, it will be there, and don't lose hope in that. When I said that, now, now, now Dale's brain goes, well, what if he don't even have a dad? Or what if his dad dead? Or what? Well, you can't, you can't play all that. Well, if his dad was dead and buried and he never made him, you know what Brother Dale would have to say that day? I missed it. And if you're not man enough to say you missed it, don't even try none of this. Because you're not going to be perfect. That's why you have to judge prophecy. Okay? So if you want to move in the gifts, just let, worry about what God looks like. Don't worry about what you look like. Okay? And you'll learn as you go along. When I said that relationship's going to be restored. That man got up, and he wrote this in a Facebook post. He, he got up and excused himself from the table. And I thought, it really kind of shocked me for a minute there because I saw him well up with tears, but I thought, I hope I didn't offend him or something. I didn't really know what. And, and I thought he went to the restroom. Well, he never come back. <laughs> he went to the parking lot and went and uh, got in his car. And he said he sat there and just wept and wept and wept because this guy had been addicted to drugs and been imprisoned and, and it, it just, it was a horrible situation. And he posted that because today he's remarried, got a precious little uh, son, little feller. And he's got pictures all over Facebook of his daddy holding that little feller. And they all together as a family over in Savannah, enjoying life, enjoying giving God praise and glory. And he said, he, and he wrote this to me here a while back and said, Brother Dale, I remember the day that eating dinner with a man at Western Sizzling. See, that wasn't very dramatic, but that was prophecy. What, what caused that to work in my life? It works in your life the same way. I felt that compassion. Follow the love trail. 
If it's pulling you to a person, just, just say, I don't know. I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. And then watch the prayer come forth. Sometimes it'll come in your prayer. Sometimes it'll come. And, and, and so you just have to, you know, step. If you, want, if you want the power of God, step out where the power of God is. If you don't want to get out on a limb, where if the, you, that's where it is. That's where it operates. And listen, the world needs encouragement. The world needs comfort. The, wor- the world needs building up. And so I'm asking you, when you're on your job, you can be in Walmart. Don't miss those little things. You, you know what? I, I, uh, to me, you, you ever seen my grandmother used to have this little glass thing like perfume? I'm done with this. But remember this little bulb you, you would, pfft, and it shoot the perfume out? Uh, I don't think she ever used it, but uh, she had it just to look pretty. You know, because when we were little kids, we'd spray it and all. We couldn't smell it. I thought she just had water in there. But, uh, but you could spray that, and it would just mist out. You know, and you'd catch a little what the perfume that was in there at one time. You could smell it, you know. And so sometimes us grand young, we'd get it sprayed on one another and stuff and just aggravate. But what's that got to do? I, I feel like that's the way it is with God with me sometimes. It just, I just catch it, just a hint of something. And unless you're sensitive, you'll miss it. God's not trying to make it hard, but God's talking to your spirit, not to your flesh. And you have to be led by the Spirit. But when you just, just, just listen, just wait and see what God's doing. And then follow that. Let us be a church that allows the gifts to operate in our lives, not just on Sunday mornings. Uh, most of the time, this is really not the target audience, really. I mean, it can be. And it sure blessed me that night over in Moultrie when that, but, you know, and, and that guy, you know, I found out, you know, and you would have thought I'd have called that guy myself and booked him for a revival. I, I didn't communicate with him for years. No, I, I don't know why I didn't. I just didn't. And probably, I don't know, five or six years later, he came back to my mind, and I sought him out, found out where he was, he contacted him, asked him would he come to Cornerstone Run Revival. And when he got there, I told him what had happened, how God had mightily used him. He said, well, he said well, number one, he said, I don't hardly ever prophesy to anybody personally. He said, that was so weird in my life. God hardly ever used me to prophesy to an individual. I prophesy more to the church at large, you know. And, uh, and then he looked at me. I remember Bishop Dutton said, he said, if God used me so great in your life, why are you waiting so long to call me? <laughs> I said, I don't know. And, and, and we remain friends, and we're still friends today. Um, uh, and he's still there in Augusta preaching the gospel and loving people. Um, it's, it's a great blessing to just let God use whatever gift. Well, what gift do we do? Let God decide the gift that flows in your life. And uh, you, you're going to find you're going to be a great benefit to a lot of people. Amen? Sometimes people that hear a prophetic word and just give their life to Jesus right there. That's what 1 Corinthians 14 says. I want you to stand with me today. I know it's been a little bit different. I hope it's been encouraging to you. If it is, give God praise for it, would you? Come on, bless the Lord. I want my ministry team to come, elders to come, and we, we want to position ourselves where we can pray with you if you so desire. If not, we just go to go eat lunch faster. But it is our privilege, our honor to pray with you. Ben, would y'all come? Ivory, some of y'all come and feel in this side here for us as we just... Listen, we'll pray with you about anything. I'm going to dismiss the congregation, but if you want prayer for any reason, then please come today and give us the opportunity you know, it's like that pastor, that preacher that put himself in that revival. He, he positioned himself where God could meet him at his faith and minister to him. And sometimes it's just as simple as an act of faith of walking down front and let somebody pray for you and seeing what God will say or do in your life. Because we, 
know that God can use all these people here prophetically uh, in this service. God bless you, sir. I like a man won't even wait. Glory to God. He just says I'm coming down. Glory to God. So if you want prayer, as I dismiss the church, as they go that way, you come this way. Okay? Let me pray. Father, thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for these people. Help us to just yield ourselves to you, Father. To yield ourselves to be instruments. To be your hand extended into this world. To be your voice. To be your eyes. To be, Lord God, what you've called us to be to this generation that so desperately needs to see a manifestation of your power, of your love, of your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we love you. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you want prayer, please come front ways and we're here to minister and pray with you.